Quitting for success. This is the focus group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the focus group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash, who tells me I look a little rough today. <laughs> Grizzly Adams. There's a, there's a reason for that. If you're watching the video, uh, take a look. Uh, thanks for joining us. We are the Focus Group. Uh, you can find all, out all about us at focusgroupradio.com. You can also find our podcast there, which is TFG Unbuttoned, which is released each Tuesday. And of course, all of our media is there for you to download for free and take with you anytime. If you're going to the beach, you're going to the mountains or driving, it's very digestible, as John says, in audio form. So everybody, please enjoy. And thanks to our friends at Deep Discount. Uh, they've got a summer-wide sale going on, and we'll talk about them a little later in the show. So how you doing, Mr. Nash? I'm doing great. Happy Pride, says the Pride Leprechaun. Top of the Pride to you, says the Pride Leprechaun as well. I would have um, thought you would have been on a top dis- hat. Yeah, I need one of those green ones that the, with the shamrock on it, yeah. right, with the rainbow, like the Lucky Charms guy. Hey, before we get rolling into the show, I wanted to uh, give you some listener feedback that we've been Uh-oh. getting over at letters at focusgroupradio.com. A lot of fun stuff. One of our listeners named Mark uh, sent us an interesting uh, note. Now, Tim, remember that you did something on, um, it might have been, it might have been on Button. It was about the Ruby slippers and how they oh, right. uh, it, showed uh, up after this step. Minnesota, yeah. So Mark said, I was listening to your Unbuttoned podcast dated my, May 31, and the story about the Ruby slippers caught my eye, or I suppose I should say my ear. There is an eight-episode podcast devoted to their theft called There's No Place Like Home. It's pretty good, and you might find it interesting. So listeners, there's a podcast recommendation for you right there. There's No Place Like Home about the theft of these ruby slippers. Uh, Then we heard from our listener, Rob, who's down there in Rehoboth with you, and uh, he had two things he wanted to comment on. Remember about two weeks ago, I mentioned um, a movie that I had picked called um, Something, uh, I'm sorry, Something for Everyone. Right. Angela Lansbury, Michael York. So he says, Mike and I saw something for everyone while living in Atlanta in the 70s and 80s. Great movie. Sexy plus Michael York was so cute. So that's a a plug for (laughs) something for everyone. And then you were talking about, we were talking about Laugh-In and all the shows we were allowed to watch and not allowed to watch when we were kids. And he said, I was old enough to watch Laugh-In. Goldie Hawn grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland, not far from where we lived, where he was a boy. She went to Montgomery Blair High, which produced quite a few notables. Uh, Connie Chung, Maury Povich, Carl Bernstein, and Ben Stein. Not bad. So that was from Rob. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. So Connie Chung and Maury Povich went to high school together? Because they were married. They are. Well, the school produced, uh, it could be different classes, right? Yeah, but isn't that funny? Yeah, it's it's wild. That's why I said there's a lot of notables. And then uh, one of our listeners, Patrick, also chimed in on something for everyone. And he said, it's, it's, it's. You got to see it. It's a, he ordered it off deep discount because it's very hard to find on DVD. So if you're listening and you want to pick this up, it's a deep discount. He how said, did that Ms. movie Lansbury, escape us? How did this? I know. And a lot of, a lot of the Particularly listeners. Particularly you. For me, yeah. you know, I don't know anything about movies. <laughs> but for you, know, right? But for you, I'm shocked that that would have escaped you. Yeah. So he said um, that Angela Lansbury's top form in this movie. So this is our listener, Patrick. And he said, this is another plug for... Uh, something for everyone which as again as you said tim i can't believe it escaped our thing so there's just some listener comments uh, keep the comments coming letters at focusgroupradio.com um always appreciate hearing from everybody well that's that's uh 
You know, I, I do miss the old days where the phone would ring and we would have conversations with the listeners or they would correct uh -huh. us. Because a lot of times, you know, we don't know everything, certainly. And we mispronounce things and we say things wrong. And sometimes we have the information. Well, here, Tim, I'll put, I'll put something out for you that you might want to think about. One of our listeners sent us a very detailed email um, about electric vehicles and, and how we are not necessarily fully informed on what's going on in that sphere. And I'm not going to disagree with that. You and I know the top line stuff about charging, a few other things. Right. He might be fun to have on <laughs> to talk about what's really going on, what really needs to happen. It was a very cool and detailed thing about here's what's happening with charging, here's the battery situation, the whole bit. So, so does he think it's a good thing? Yes, like he does. Cars. But he also said, you know, there's a lot of things going on that we might not know about in the background. Right. So I, I agreed with that. Yeah, no, that's, that'd be interesting. It reminds me of the guy that one time when he called us up to reprimand us about saying you should wear, this was years and years ago, about wearing suits to interviews and how you shouldn't yes. wear a suit to an interview. And how he was just on an interview, and we said, did you wear a suit? He said, no. Did you get the job? No. Well, I should have worn a suit. Remember <laughs> that guy? I do remember that. I do. <laughs> <laughs> who, was, who was the one that told us the story that they, you know, you had said it. In that exact segment, you talked about how you should never, you should be standing when you greet the person you're gonna, who's going right. to interview you. And I, maybe it was my mom's husband or someone else talked about uh, going to an interview, and they sat down on a beanbag chair. Oh, yeah. You can't get out. And they couldn't get up, and they had to roll off the chair and then stand up and shake the guy's hand. They didn't get the job, but <laughs> no, I, I used to. I learned that from back in my days when I used to sell steel, high fragmentation metals, right out of college. And and one of the things that they put us through in sales training was when you're in the waiting room waiting for the purchasing person or the sales VP or whoever to come out, make sure you greet them on their level. So they're going to yes. come out standing and look at you. And if you're in some now. With ad agencies or some of these new places where they had all these kind of crazy low-slung low furniture, or the beanbag chairs is a good mm -hmm. example. It's difficult to get out without looking clumsy or looking foolish. But if you're standing and somebody comes, you give them a firm handshake and, uh, and you move on. But that way, at least you're ready. And uh, it shows that you're, uh, you know, Engaged. Point. Yeah. yeah. So, eh, we could be wrong because nobody works anymore. Nobody wants to go into the office, although yeah, Martha Stewart, true. did you see Martha Stewart has come out and said the country's going to go down the tubes? We're not France, is what Martha Stewart said. We need to get back to work, which I thought was hilarious. You know, from we're coming from her, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. It's great when you got $10 billion to talk about and, and, and you know, hanging out your farm. And you're wandering around the acres of your country estate with your garden, and you're like, you know, we're going down the tubes. You know? Yeah. But uh, I, I do agree, though. They were, they were talking about, because they're, they're afraid, I guess, this summer, which we're in now, they're concerned about a lot of these companies that are going to be renegotiating their real estate leases. Yes. And uh, whether you need space or not. But you and I have talked to some clients that um, are now lamenting the fact that uh, they're, they're kind of tired of being home, stuck in their little office. Mm -hmm. and, they are. Uh, would like to be back at work, but uh, hard hard to get people to uh, to go back. So we'll see what happens. I know you like it, or you would like it. Yes, yes, so. I agree. I, well, I like well, it's that kind of thing. I think if you're in fashion or design, being around other people right. um, is stimulating. You could share ideas pretty quickly, and there's something about the in person that's different than this Zoom thing. You know, well, the Zoom thing, you're on, you're off. There's yeah. not a lot of interaction beyond that, which you and I have always said a lot happens outside of a meeting. Yeah, you know, it's, it's true. It's the, it's the, the meeting happens outside the meeting often, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, so Mr. Nash, what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. I have a really short one, but it's full of questions for me, and that's why I picked it. So it's this thing here. 
A woman passes a desperate help me note to a bank teller. I'll explain what's going on. Mom drives daughter to bank and passes desperate note to teller and cops say and the cops say help me. A mother drove her 35-year-old daughter to the bank, then passed a desperate note to the teller while in a drive-through lane. So she's in the car, she's in a drive-in, right? She passes it through and uh, the note says help me call 911. This happens in Michigan, by the way. The bank teller called 911 on June 13 and reported the incident, according to a news release from the Pinckney Police Department, P-I-N-C-K-N-E-Y, the Pinckney Police Department. Officers responded to the bank and interviewed the driver and passenger. The passenger, who's the daughter, 35-year-old daughter of this woman, was arrested on charges of attempted armed robbery and other crimes, police said. Authorities said the incident began at the mother's home. Without the help of an astute bank staff, this incident could have ended much worse. Um, The daughter is being held on a $250,000 cash bond. Police have not released any additional details. So this is all I read. And I'm thinking to myself, the mother and the daughter get in a car and they drive to the bank. Now, I guess the daughter was armed or something and says, Mom, you got to take out all this money. Get all this money and give it to me. (laughs) Right? So, you know, but here's the thing that I love about this. How many movies have we seen where someone who's being held at gunpoint manages to pass a note to a bank teller, right? Who pushes a button under the counter, so whatever the movie right. thing is, right? So I am, this is such a mystery to me. Like it, the 35-year-old daughter forces the mother to go to the bank. The mother has the presence of mind and the time to write a note saying, help me call 911. The police respond. I mean, how would you even begin to talk about this with someone like, all right, what are you doing in the car? Why do you have your mom at gunpoint? <laughs> well, I was, she must have been armed. I didn't, they didn't say whether she was or not, right? No. Because if you were the mother, you might have said, okay, we're going to the bank and you drive to the police station. But if the daughter was crazy, she could have shot you before you, know, before mm. you got into the police station. So this way, I guess you're going to the bank, pass it to the teller. Hope the teller's smart enough to call the police and you, you know, waste time. That's scary, though. But... Uh, it's your mom. <laughs> See, this is the thing. You, you, 35-year-old gets in the car. Mom, get in the car now. I yeah, want we're money out of the bank. Money. I mean, and the mother's like, okay, we'll get in the car. And somehow she managed to make a little note and pass it to the tube. And the daughter wasn't suspecting that the mother would. I, hey, I that's why a, this I caught my a, eye. I heard a story down here, some, not the same, but similar, in that there was a kid. Um, she's in her 20s. She decided her mother was crazy and called authorities to have her committed and have everything signed over to her name because she wanted it. And um, the mother was not crazy. And it's turned into a huge, huge mess because the daughter knew mom had a little bit of coin and decided, I'm going to say she's crazy. I'm going to come in and take everything. My boyfriend and I are going to take off with it. We're going to sell the house, blah, blah, blah. Horrible behavior, horrible behavior, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you can understand where some of this craziness can happen, I guess. Well, that's certainly different than mine. (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) So uh, the headline to mine is Garth Brooks, if you know him, the country, country, uh, country Western singer, will offer every brand of beer at his new bar and doesn't care what anyone thinks. Mm. So so Garth Brooks is uh, probably the most, um, not only country, but one of the greatest selling artists of all time, is opening a new bar in, uh, it's, it's called the Low Places Bar and Honky Tonk in Nashville, which is in the Broadway district. And they asked him what beer, he was in a radio interview last week, and they said, what are you, you know, what are you going to serve? And he goes, if you're asking me if I'm serving Bud Light, the answer is yes. He said, I'm going to stock Bud Light. 
despite the fact of all the criticism from Travis Tritt or from Kid Rock mm-hmm. and some of the other, other, other country, country Western. Right? Yeah. He said, I want this to be a place where people feel safe. I want it to be a place where people feel respected and that there are manners. And if you don't like it, you can go to another establishment. There's plenty in town. And he said, and yes, we're going to serve every brand of beer. We just are. And it was in reference to the backlash of Bud Light with the, the Dylan Mulvaney story that you and I've covered to, to extent. He says, um, I think in regards to diversity and inclusiveness, what you find in our differences is our greatest strength. He said, I think diversity is the answer to the problems that are here and the answer to the problems that are coming. He said, I love diversity and all are welcome. I understand this might not be everybody's opinion, but that's mine and that's okay. Mm. And um, so he said uh, he uh, wants his, his bar to be a place for everybody and everyone have a great time. And if you don't like it, you don't have to go to it. Um, and then at the end of the story, it talks about uh, how Bud Light sales have dropped to the point where it's no longer the number one selling beer in the country. But what's funny is the now new number one is another Anheuser-Busch brand. So it's um, so, so by not by boycotting Bud Light, you're just buying another Anheuser-Busch product. <laughs> so. Did I did I read um, to this Garth Brooks thing? Did your article also talk about how much absolute vitriol he got online for this? No, I didn't. It did not say oh. this. So this this particular story I read came from uh, CNN. So they did not cover the vitriol. Did he get a lot backlash? Oh yeah, people are like, "I'm not listening to your music ever again." Oh, I've been sakes. a lifelong fan, and I say to myself, "This is something <laughs> you and I talk about on Unbuttoned as well." What is the big deal? Some influencer holds up a can with his image on it, and the world goes crazy. I don't know. No, I, I did not, you know, I guess that's what would have happened. People, people will go. It's so easy to be outraged nowadays. You just go online, tap a few things, hit send. You don't even have to look at someone in the face and tell them what you really think. You could do it all anonymously through your profile and stuff like that, right? Yeah, well, that's too bad. But good for, good for Garth Brooks. I, I agree with you, yeah. yeah. So uh, many of you know Deep Discount's a friend of ours here on the Focus Group, and they've been with us uh, for quite some time, and we appreciate their support. And we appreciate you supporting them by going to focusgroupradio.com, clicking on the Deep Discount logo, start shopping away. In this whole month of June, they've got a huge summer-wide sale going on, or site-wide sale going on, which means that everything is, uh, is at better prices than what they even are before the sale. So John and I have picked a couple things for you this week. Mr. Nash, do you care to share what uh, We got the site-wide think? sale. Yeah, so another movie I've never heard of that Uh-oh. is in the pantheon of like, gay cinema films that you have to like check out is a movie called Fox and his friends. It's available on the criteria from criterion collection, which is one of our favorites. It's the gold standard. It's $27 and 10 cents on blue. It's a Blu-ray release. I have never heard of this before, but here's the deal. Um, Rainer Werner Fassbender, famous director um, who is gay or was gay. He, is in the movie, he plays the main character himself and this guy named uh, Fox. And he wins a lottery and um, he is then surrounded by a whole bunch of people like hangers-on and people who play to be his friend. They're materialistic, their whole thing. And it just says here, a lottery win leads not to financial and emotional freedom, but to social captivity in this wildly cynical classic about love and exploitation by (laughs) Rainer Werner Fassbender. Casting himself against type, the director plays a suggestible working-class innocent who lets himself be taken advantage of by his bourgeois new boyfriend, Peter, and his circle of materialistic friends. 
leading to the kind of resonant misery that only Fassbinder could create. Now, when I read the review of this, I, this was Queerty actually pointed us or pointed me to this film, Fox and His Friends. Queerty concluded their review by saying, it's eerily similar to today's gay world. <laughs> really? <laughs> so they, they were like, you got to watch this. Same guy who recommended something for everyone a few weeks ago picked this one out and said, this has got to be in your collection if you've never seen this before. So it's called Fox and His Friends, available on Criterion Collection. Wow. As you know, Deep Discount has uh, all kinds of movies and, and uh, discs and DVDs and TV. They also have a lot of other products and accessories, including music. And so the initial, initial uh, movie that I picked this week was on Backorder. So I thought, well, let's, let's do something that's in stock. And I was poking around some more. And I came across this in the music area. And the title is Life Moves Pretty Fast. The John Hughes Mixtapes Various Deluxe Edition 4CD plus MC plus 7-inch, and it's an import. And it's essentially all the music from the John Hughes movies. And I thought, what a great collection to have. So if you're a fan of any of the John Hughes movies from, say, 1983 to 1989, uh, this takes all of the soundtracks and puts them all in one place. And it comes with, uh, two, uh, comes with four CDs. Plus, it has cassettes, mixtapes, and a and a uh, and a seven inch vinyl. And uh, I just looked. It said seventy four tracks from the movies, including National Lampoon's Vacation, Sixteen Candles, A Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Some Kind of Wonderful, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, The Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck, uh, just to name a few. And I was Wait, looking. Tim, at these the are all John list. Hughes films, right? Yeah, and it's everything from John, you know, Kaja Gugu, Remember two. Oh yeah, shy, shy, hush, hush, eye to eye. <laughs> <laughs> right, Simple Minds, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, Oingo Boingo, um, Psychedelic Furs, uh, Kate Bush, New Order, uh, I'm just going through here, Love and Rockets, The Jesus and Mary Jane, Echo and the Bunnymen, General Public, Divinals, on and on and on. So Emmylou Harris, I just think it would be a great thing to have. And so it's an import, so it's even harder to find, but you can get it at deep discount. It's, uh, you'll save over 20%. It's $126 for all that music. So I thought when you cool. sent this over and Tim's the music man, Tim loves music. Tim knows how to curate music. I just had a big smile on my face because even if you know only three of John Hughes's movies, you know that music played an integral part right. to every single film. And I was just thinking about the beginning of the breakfast club starts with simple minds. You know, yeah. don't you forget about me. Right. And I was just thinking about, you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off has, you know, <laughs> you could start going through yeah. the movie by song by song. So this is a really great find. But I, I was shocked when I found it. And it reminded me, you used to, I think, back in the day at Sirius XM, didn't you listen to, you, there was a channel that had, was it movie scores? Or yes. was it, it you used was to a, love that, it, yeah. used to love mm -hmm. that channel. And uh, I, so I thought of this and I thought of you because of that, because I remember you would listen to uh, was movie it soundtracks, movie yeah. soundtracks. And, which I think you still do, actually. Don't you? <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> you probably because then you imagine what's happening. You probably put on the soundtrack to to Star Wars and or, or you know Return of the <laughs> yeah. Jedi, and you're here's what happens now. Here's <laughs> where they're flying around on the radiators. I was literally telling someone the other day, uh, a younger kid. I said, you know, my business partner, his whole perception of Star Wars is takes place on an orange planet. And we both started laughing because there's so much truth in that. <laughs> he's like, he goes, well, he's got the, the right color. Well, I, you know, Dune in particular. Dune is another one. You know, Dune is orange. It's just an orange palette, terracotta. 
And then I think you forced me one time. We were somewhere. I know you took me to the theater. I think you and Lee Farneson did. And we had to watch your favorite film, and now Blade Runner. Ah, yes. And the one thing I took away from Blade Runner was the future's going to be dark and wet and shiny. And dirty. <laughs> it's wet. It's dirty. Dirty. <laughs> but everyone's clean. Everyone's happy. We Nobody went... eats. Tim, I remember that night. We went to the Watertown Cinema. It was mm-hmm. like dollar night or something. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think God. I fell asleep. One of the first movies I fell asleep. Your, your favorite Blade movie. Runner. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You've taken me to a number of movies where I've slept. American Beauty. <laughs> and I was in Palm Springs after your trip to Tokyo. Yeah. I'm snoring. You get up and leave me. <laughs> and Tim based his entire review on that movie on the first four minutes and the last three. You're like, That's wasn't a it fantastic? Movie. It was a horrible movie. Nothing show. happened. <laughs> we do have a new release this week, folks. It's Avatar The Way of Water. This is a film that I really, truly wanted to see in IMAX or in 3D because this is the second um, James Cameron film in the Avatar universe. It got great reviews, actually. It did really well at the box office. You can pick it up on 4K Ultra HD for $32.99, which is not bad. And if you have a really good, nice-sized TV, I think you're going to really enjoy it. But I have friends who've seen it. They said they, they really were impressed. It, it clocks in at a fairly, I think it's 192 minutes, so it's like wow. almost a little over three hours. But I think that uh, if you haven't seen it and you're a fan of Avatar, pick up Avatar Way of the Water. So let's recap from our little deep discount thing here. Big site-wide sale for all of June. Happy Pride, says the leprechaun. I picked a movie uh, that I read about on Queer Tea called Fox and His Friends. Uh, Rainer Werner Fassbender, who is gay, he's in the movie as the titular character, Fox. And the review said that it's basically, even though it was made in the, you know, 1975, you could easily look at what's going on with the gay men in this movie and say, oh, this is just like today. <laughs> so, so interesting film. Tim picked Life Moves Pretty Fast, the John Hughes mixtapes. Amazing collection of music from all his movies. It's four CDs. There's a mixtape, like a cassette tape, and a seven-inch import. So if you have a turntable, that could be kind of fun. And the re- release this week is Avatar The Way of Water, uh, the second film in the Avatar series by James Cameron. So uh, you visit Deep Discount by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on their logo. It will take you there, and we'd like to get credit for you visiting their site. We are going to take a super quick break, and when we return, we have our business birthday, and we have a quick shop talk, so stay with us. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Now back to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Hello. Welcome back to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here as always with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. And as John promised, right before the break, we've got a business birthday today. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. So born today, June 21st in 1857. Now, John and I had talked before the show, and we were wondering why, after all the years, or 15 years of doing these birthdays, we hadn't come across this guy, but uh, we hadn't covered him. So Charles Cortis. Alderton, born June 21st, 1857. He died at 83 in 1941. An American pharmacist and the inventor of Dr. Pepper, the soda Dr. Pepper. So uh, he was born in Brooklyn, New York. He was one of five children. And uh, he went to school for a little while in England, but then he came back to the University of Texas and he worked as a pharmacist in Waco. 
and the shop was called Morrison's Old Corner Drugstore, which had a soda fountain. And he noticed um, as he was working the soda fountain, although he really wanted to be a druggist and a pharmacist, he's working the soda fountain, and he, he would have to make sodas. He said people became getting tired of sarsaparilla, lemon, and vanilla. So What is sarsaparilla? It's, it reminds me a little bit of birch beer. Mm, okay. When I've had okay. it, I think it's a yeah. sort of root beerish, birch beerish sort of thing. So he said people were tired of, you know, the vanilla, lemon, sarsaparilla. And uh, so he was trying to figure out something to revive sales. So he started uh, experimenting with new flavors. So he used fruit extracts, syrups, and what he called mystic spices and uh, settled on a 23-ingredient combination with phosphoric acid to give it tang. And uh, he first sold this soda on December 1st, 1885. And it uh, became known as Dr. Pepper. But when they would sell it, it was either called Shoot a Waco or Doc Alderton's Drink or the Waco. So it was one of those three names. So it, it became very popular. They didn't, um, all of a sudden, that the popularity of the soda or the beverage outgrew the store's capacity. So they had to make a decision what to do. So um, they had also, uh, so he ended up selling the recipe to Morrison at the drugstore, Alderton did. I'd like to know, it didn't say what he sold it for, but he sold him the recipe and decided he wanted to be a druggist and a pharmacist. He didn't want to be a soda, soda person. This was a year <laughs> before Coca-Cola was, oh my even, God. was even okay. on the map. So Morrison ends up taking, um, taking Dr. Pepper to uh, the, the World's Fair Exposition in St. Louis in Missouri. And uh, it was introduced to 20 million people there. They said it was unprecedented how successful it was and how much people loved it. And so they, uh, they ended up opening, Morrison opened up the Artisan Manufacturing and Bottling Company, which is located in Waco, which is still there. It's now a museum for Dr. Pepper. And up until the 60s, uh, the soda was made there. And um, since then, now it's been bought by PepsiCo and, uh, or I'm sorry, Snapple. So it's now part of the Dr. Pepper Snapple group. People wanted to know where the name came from. They said several myths persist. Uh, by the answer, but most uh, say it was just simply that Morrison once had dated the daughter of a physician whose name was Pepper, and they kind of liked the sound of the name. So uh, seriously, really? Yeah, it says he dated a, 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 a dated a physician whose name was uh, Doctor Pepper, and he thought that sounded kind of cool. So, um, and I guess because of the pharmacy and being druggists and pharmacists, maybe Doctor Pepper made sense. So yeah, I love Doctor Pepper. Um, mm -hmm. I don't drink soda anymore, any soda. But yeah, when I did, I. I did. There was a, a guy who's now president of Subaru, Jeff Walters, said, if, you wanted, if you're going to drink soda, drink the Diet Dr. Pepper. It tastes just like regular Dr. Pepper. So the Diet Dr. Pepper, I tried it, and you know, lo and behold, it really was quite good. It didn't taste like diet soda. It didn't give you that kind of aspartame aftertaste. And then another time, there's a friend of mine, um, Jeff, Jeff Levy, who worked at uh, Wells Fargo, told me that his secret with the kids, when he came home, to have to take them to the park. The wife's here. Here's the kids. He'd go to the park, and he'd say, you just you know, do a half a can of Dr. Pepper with a little bit of bourbon. It's kind of a little bit like a Manhattan. So I've While got people doing that now. Kids. Yeah, so you mix, you mix some bourbon with Dr. Pepper, and it's almost like a Manhattan. Throw a cherry in it, you got a Manhattan. Hey, Tim, um, if you happen to be watching on YouTube, or if you're listening, or if you're watching the show, uh, the picture that Tim sent of the original Dr. Pepper bottle has me kind of confused. Why is that? So it says Dr. Pepper, and then it has 10, 2, and 4. You see the numbers on there? Right. 
So the 10 is about where you might expect a little higher, but actually it's where the 11 would be. The two is sort of there, but what's the four? Is that supposed to be the time of day you're supposed to be drinking Dr. Pepper? Have one at two, have one at four, have one at 10. I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't notice that. That's funny that you picked that out. Now he says there were 23 spices, right? 10 to, 10 to four, four to 10, 10 to, I don't know. I have to look that up. I don't know what, uh, what the 10 to four was. It's like on the Rolling Rock bottle with the 33. Mm-hmm. You know, was that yeah, 33? like the number, it's like this mystery thing embedded in the brand. But really interesting that he invents this and yeah, he's okay with it, but he'd rather just fill prescriptions, right? I mean, right. it's such an interesting thing. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I tried to find out how much he sold it for. Because um, you can imagine, oh, I'll give you the recipe for a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, back then, right? You have to, and, and, then it, and I love the other picture you put in here. Um, Dr. Pepper's marketing has always been kind of funny because they're always up against the bigger guys. Yep. Even their theme song, I drank Dr. Pepper because I'm proud. I'm part of an original crowd. Remember all this from the 70s and 80s? Yep. And then you get that little guy, the, the little guy that shows up and parties and stuff. Dr. Pepper, you know, <laughs> the little rocker. <laughs> He's a miniature character or something. Yeah, and then it was always somebody off kilter. So I just looked this up. It says, what do the numbers 10, 2, and 4 mean on the original Dr. Pepper bottle? It says, it turns out Dr. Pepper's first slogan was, drink a bite to eat at 10, 2, and 4. Drink a bite. Does that make sense? No. But it's like, you know, the weird thing about that? It's between meals, right? Yeah. It's almost like snack time. So 23 mystery spices and flavors, it goes on and on. Then it says, um, when taking a glance at the original glass bottle containing the caffeinated refresher, not many people actually notice the distinct trio of numbers, 10, 2, and 4. Typically, uh, there are more important tasks in mind than dissecting the package. But they said that uh, it was part of their slogan with these obscure numbers, drink a bite to eat at 10, 2, and 4. And then someone says, does it make sense? No, not really. Someone else says. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. There you go, right? Oh, it says, gen- oh, it says they, they had done it. This was based on research in the 20s that showed that folks, have su- folks suffer from a sugar low at 10, 2, and 4. So you need to drink this Dr. Pepper at 10, 2, and 4 so you don't have a sugar, a sugar lull. Coca-Cola's sol- solution to that problem was to put cocaine in the mix, right? Well... <laughs> You know, I wondered about it. You know, the housewives were wonderful. They'd have, have a coke. Vacuuming and cleaning. Got horny. The whole thing, right? So anyway, yeah. So Dr. Pepper, happy birthday. Uh, or happy birthday to Alderton. Who, 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 Who's, yeah, who sold it to. Yeah. Who sold it to. So um, Shop Talk this week, uh, Mr. Nash found this article. And uh, it, it's related to um, people with failure and success and quitting. The headline is, don't think of quitting as failure says best-selling author, highly successful people know when to give up. And so uh, it goes on to say, quitting isn't always a sign of defeat. Highly successful people often know exactly when to give up, according to best-selling author and former professional poker player, Andy Duke. And uh, so I, as I read this, I was wondering, um, I kind of agreed that I didn't agree with the article, but I think the overall gist of, um, is it okay to quit? And is yeah. that and it, and if you do, do you learn something from it, or is it? Uh, it doesn't always have to be viewed as failure. What, what was your takeaway in this? 
in that next paragraph, a lot of the my thinking is in here when she says grit is great. Sometimes you see something that other people don't see. Um, but sometimes when the world is yelling at you to stop and you ignore them, that's no longer a virtue, then it's a folly. So I think that um, this idea of quitting is this whole American thing. If you, if you start something, you got to finish it. And I'll give you an example of this. I was raised with the notion that if you opened a book and you began reading that book, you had to finish it. Really? My mom would say this all the time. Like you got to, and I have suffered through a lot of books I didn't like. And then one day I decided to break this chain, <laughs> and I put the book down. And I, and I called my mom, and and we were talking, and this is many years ago. And I said, uh, she goes, "How are you doing?" I said, "Well, you know, mom, I I feel kind of weird because I started reading a book about two weeks ago, and I didn't like it, and I I didn't finish it." And she said, "Well, she goes, well, that's okay." And I'm like, well, no, you, you told me when I was a kid that if we opened a book, we had to read it all the way through. Oh, yeah, well, that's when you were a kid, but now you can make up your own mind. <laughs> so I don't, and, and I think I, it's a clumsy analogy for this. It's like a business saying we're going to open, we're going to branch out and do a branded, um, you know, a brand enhancement or a brand line, that a brand extension or something, and it just doesn't work. And either you keep putting money into it and brain power or you literally say, what didn't work about it? We're going to shut it down right now. We're going to take our lessons and our lumps, and we're going to move ahead to something different. Um, I actually think quitting is the smarter route in some cases when you recognize that the things are stacked against you. It's, but I know that the mentality is stay, if the wind yeah. is blowing in your face, keep pushing forward, right? Yeah, that was my biggest frustration working with the Japanese, is that there was this whole culture around saving face. And they would often develop products that we knew were going to be a disaster. And they knew were going to be a disaster. But they went full steam ahead because they invested money in it. We'll fix it. We'll fix it when it comes time to fix it the following year or something. You know, the, the, the B9 Tribeca was a perfect example of that. They had showed yep. that car to dealers and it looked like an Edsel in the, the front end of that car. And the people gasped and screamed. And the, I mean, I've never heard such you know, negative reaction to a new car. And um, rather than saying, let's fix it, then full steam ahead. They fixed it later. But at that point, you get one time to make a good impression, right? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, they, they were very much of that. We've already spent these resources. We've already done this. So we're going to keep going with it. Rather than saying, you know what, let's, uh, let's take a, a refocus here. And, and maybe this isn't the right direction to go. So that part I did, that part I did agree with. So yeah. your, your business birthday was the guy that invented Dr. Pepper. Remember right. New Coke? Yeah. And Ooh. how long did New Coke last before the market weeks, basically right? said, <laughs> cut this crap out? And then it became, then it sat around on shelves for a while, like as if you wanted to buy New Coke, and then it, then it vanished. Yeah. But that's one of those things where they, they might have learned earlier, but I guess they didn't focus group it. I've always wondered about that with New Coke. Did you think they focus group that well, or why something? Why would you mess with it? Well, I think the issue was Pepsi kept doing that Pepsi challenge. People yeah. kept picking supposedly Pepsi, but Pepsi was sweeter, right? Wasn't yes. the deal? Yeah, it is. Um, Coke had a bit of a bite to it and Pepsi was sweeter. And so they thought the New Coke, they can make it sweeter. It did. I remember it was, ugh. Yeah, yeah, it was tasted. Yeah. And you and I weren't big Coke fans anyway. Like, no. You were an orange soda fan or Dr. Pepper. I was orange soda <laughs> Yeah. No, I was an orange. Yeah, I would anything. But and I often wonder because I, I do. I do have friends that love they'll, they'll drink, you know, two or three Coca-Colas a day. Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah. Do you have friends that still drink soda? Oh, yeah, most certainly. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you're still drinking carbonated be <laughs> beverage. Huh? Yeah, but, yeah, but quitting is, is an underrated skill, I think. Um, 
And I think we encounter this in, let's say you wanted to pick up um, a new skill set, like, or, or like just you decide you're going to be, a, you want to take pottery and it's just not working. Well, why fight City Hall, right? right? Like move, stop it and move on, right? Well, it's, it's, it's what you mentioned about a book or if you're watching a series, everybody says, oh, you have to watch this TV series and you watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, I'm not into it. Move on. I did this with, you know, the last book I remember putting down and everybody was mad at me was The Shipping News. Oh, I love The Shipping News. But you, but See, you might was, not have. It you was might not have. because of my family in Nova Scotia and, and, yeah. and that part of the Maritimes in Canada. I just didn't like the style of the way it was written. Right. Someone said yeah. I needed to understand that and get used to it because it was, it was done in a very rhythmic, um, rhythmic, is that the right word? Mm-hmm. But there was, so, but did you, so it's funny, I didn't know, know that you, did you read it and you liked it? Yes, I did. And in fact, I wonder if the reason I enjoyed it so much is because I read it on my first jury duty. I had the paperback. I just, I was a captive there, audience yeah. waiting to be called. And I read, and I thought the more I got into it, the more I really loved it and didn't want to put it down. But I can see how you might not have found his style appealing. I, I can totally so see Maybe that. I need to try it again because I, I wanted to like it. Everybody said I would like it, and I immediately did not, and I probably didn't give it a chance. But that's the sort of thing where I'm, I'm like you, where if, eh, I don't like it, I just move on. You're, you're very much, your mother said that about you one time on the show. What did she say? If John doesn't like to do something, it's a real problem. Well. <laughs> she said, because he just won't do it. It's stubborn. I don't want to do it. Yeah, that's that. I'll follow up with that. My one of my teachers, John Moodry. Remember John Moodry? Uh-huh. Yeah, he said to my mom, "You know, your your son is not doing really well in math or something." She goes, "He doesn't like it." <laughs> that's and that. He, and and he's <laughs> like, "Well, what, what, how do we fix it?" She goes, "You can't. He doesn't like it. When he likes something, he does really well in it." Yeah. Thank mom Moodry, for a gr- Moodry was yeah. the guy who had the big map, and you had to get sent to the map. And that's why yes. to this day, people want to know how I know geography. I mean, you had to know. You had to be on your toes. He'd sit there in the Botswana. He had to point. <laughs> Alaska. <laughs> but, I, you know, here we are. I still remember that. And You do. You know, you at do. the end of the day, it, um, you know, I think we probably know geography better than most people because of that. But Because of these, these teachers who had their little ways with us, right? Yeah. Yeah. We took a field trip once to go see John Mudry's shoes. Um, Mr. Turchuk, I remember him. His feet was I remember Turchuk, yeah. I think yeah. he smoked pot most of the day. We had a we had one of those portable classrooms, and, and he would just leave us, and then he'd come back around, you know, after lunch, and say, "What'd you do today?" We have to, you know, kind of the experiential learner. But he said, "We he was talking about." It. He says, "You know, you're going up to the to the junior high school, and there's a man up there that wears shoes with no socks and penny loafers. Does anybody know what? Let's go take a look." And we really, literally, he took us all on a field trip to his room, his classroom, interrupted his class, he went, show us the shoes with the pennies on them, and then we went went back. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. It was hilarious. That's a story I have never heard before. And, yeah. and Tim and I grew up in similar towns right next to each other. But in, until high school, we were separated. And then we joined up at high school. You took a field trip field to trip see John Mudry's penny loafers. Yeah, we walked across. The, I still remember leaving the classroom because we had a portable classroom. So we yeah, were in the you field. Know rooms, yeah. Red portable. So mm-hmm. we walked out, went up, and went up to the steps. Because the junior high part of that school at the time was all new. And it was really something nice. And uh, he knocks on the door, and Mudry's looking. I still remember him. And he was a little heavy set, stocky guy. Yes, yeah. That's and John uh, he says, I'm here to show my kids your shoes. <laughs> and we spent about 10 minutes. I'm sure they were dying in the teacher's uh, teacher's. You read my after. mind, yeah. You know, I'm sure it was. I'm sure there was something that, that Mudry did to Turchuk, and Turchuk said, ah, I got to get him back and go look at his shoes. So, um, yeah. So, 
Turchuk. Oh my God. I, I should mention these names to my mom because I will tell you this. If I ask her about teaching in Region 15, she has a memory. She knows what she wore the day she interviewed. Oh my she knows gosh. she had a fight with someone in those teachers' lounge. She knew when somebody she would co-teach with some of these people, right? And she had stories about the co-teachers, like, ooh, they're not showing up prepared. But anyway. Yeah. Well, our Spanish teacher was a big pot smoker too, because my dad worked in her house when they were HVAC. I remember my dad telling me. So she had bongs all over the house. <laughs> you know, we knew a guy, totally unrelated, well, sort of related, but unrelated. We knew a guy once who owned a house, uh, an apartment cleaning service here in the city. And he used to clean John, John Kennedy Jr.'s apartment. Oh, my God. And we asked him what it was like. He goes, he was the nicest guy, heavy pot smoker. Really? Bongs all over the place. Little, John, John? Know. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm surprised by that. Yeah, well, and this is all before it was long before it was legal, and I think that's everybody knows that Jackie Kennedy's toilets used to run. Was it hot water? Well, hot water. John P. Brown did those out, yeah. out in out in Hyannisport <laughs> in the vineyard. Yeah, she ran hot water so they wouldn't sweat in the summer. Well, well we're way off course from way, don't think of quitting, quitting as failure. <laughs> but this is the show people want to hear. But this Jackie is what toilets. Want to hear, yeah. John, John smoking pot. <laughs> John, the, Mr. Turchuk taking people to see John Moody's penny loafers. <laughs> you wonder why we're like this. Hello, our friends in Southbury, Middlebury, <laughs> Connecticut. Well, we're going to wrap it up there, folks. I want to thank you for joining us today here on the Focus Group. A big thanks to Deep Discount for partnering with us here on the show. You can get there by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Deep Discount logo and start your shopping experience. All of June, site-wide sale, and I think we had some fun picks for you. Fox and Friends from the Criterion Collection. Uh, Rainer Werner Fassbender is in the movie, and it's a gay title, which was brought to my attention by Queerty, so I think we should check that out. Tim, you picked the uh, the John Hughes mixtape collection. It's yeah. like four to seven CDs. Every song that's been in every John Hughes movie, and if you're a fan, it's a must-have. And the new release this week is Avatar Way of the Water, the second film in the uh, Avatar series from Jim Cameron. So we'd like to say to everybody, um, and especially as the summer wears on, please do not text and drive, arrive alive. I see this all the time. On the, I just mm. don't understand it, and I say this all the time. Like, why text? <laughs> Don't you have a car you could talk to and say send text to? Yes. Never works right, but anyway. Um, so please stay safe, and we will see you in the new week. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.